team this morning. Praise God. Thank you for being here today. So thankful to see you in the Lord's house. Uh, a couple of quick announcements so don't forget. Tonight, in fact, Andrea said, you know, it'd be fun if you did a whole sermon just doing charades. Maybe one day, but not today. <laughs> Tell me, get up and go do it. But we might play charades tonight, family fun night tonight, amen? And so you just bring what you want to eat tonight, and it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, finger foods, we're going to start at 6 o'clock. It's going to be activities for the whole family. We're going to get the bounce houses out. We're going to play uh, uh, some, some bean, toss, bean bag toss and, and just board game. Just bring it out. We're going to have a good time. Bring some finger food. It's going to be a great time just to fellowship, get to know somebody, amen? Also, um, this Wednesday night, schedule is changing. Say that with me. This Wednesday night, schedule is changing. We're moving our adult service to 6 o'clock. Adult service is 6 to 7. It'll be our adult service and also our kids' view during 6 to 7. Now, we're not, at this moment, we're not offering uh, from 7 to 8, we're not offering uh, children's ministry, but we will be having youth ministry from 7 to 8, and there's going to be some other things going on. Uh, Patricia and Tawny are going to be leading in the sanctuary from seven, uh, from seven forward. They're going to be leading intercessory prayer. And let me tell you, I believe with all of my heart, to get to where God wants us to go, we must have intercessory prayer. This is not a time where we come together and we, we share the needs. There's a time and a place for that. It's not a need-sharing moment. It is a standing and declaration of what God is doing and what God will do. It is calling heaven down to earth. Amen? So intercessory prayer. You say, well, I'm not sure if I know what that is. Show up. Wednesday night, 7 on, there will be, there will be uh, intercessory prayer. Now, it will not be until the 18th, the 18th. We're going to be starting another program called Living Free. Living Free. And that's going to be at the 7 to 8 o'clock hour on Wednesday. It's an eight-week course. You've got areas in your life, and you're just like, man, I can't quite get over this. Maybe I need a little help, a little encouragement. It could be anything, everything. And you're just saying, Lord, I need your help. Well, we have a program that's going to help you. And it is a video base. There's going to be discussion, small group. We've got a team of leaders that are finishing the training. We're going to start this on the 18th of October. I'm very excited about this. And we're, going to, we're just going to continue to grow and go as God tells us. Amen? Amen. Glad you're here today. I want you to look first off. We're going to go to Mark 4. <clears throat> Mark 4. But before we go there, I want to go to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. We're going to start a new series today. It's a new series that I believe the Lord is wanting to invoke in your heart. We don't shrink back. We don't shrink back. We're not of those that draw back. In fact, the scripture tells us, but we are not of them that shrink back unto perdition, but of them that have faith unto the saving of the soul. Amen. I believe there's a holy boldness God wants to put in you. And in, in the course of this study, in the course of just opening our heart to God, we're going to discover how that the Lord doesn't want us to shrink back. But to face the giants, go to the furnaces, stand and in, in, in watch the world, stand in awe of the power of God. Amen? So with that, I want you to, we're going to, not too long back, just so that you know that I'm not losing my mind, uh, I, I ministered out of Mark 5, and we're going to get to Mark 5 again. It was just a few weeks ago, about a month ago, I think, to this day. 
But I want you to go, we're going to back up just a little bit. I want you to go to Mark 4. I want you to go to Mark 4. And this pertains to we don't shrink back. Father, I just thank you for this hour. Thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you, Lord God, for the faith that you have instilled in us and the hope that we have. Lord, not just for today, but tomorrow. I thank you, Lord God, that somebody's already grabbed hold of the word and decided, hey, I'm tired of giving the enemy all of the, uh, my time and energy. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, that the persuasion of the enemy is coming to nothing and that, Lord, your word will prevail in the hearts of your believers. And God, I thank you today that you've given us the power to become the sons and daughters of God. And Lord, we want to be about our Father's business. And Lord, I just ask today, the anointing on your word, anointing on our ears to hear in Jesus' name. We don't shrink back. I want you to look at Mark 4, beginning in verse 35. If you'll hold just a minute, I'm going to chew my mint so I don't choke on it, okay? <laughs> All right, now I'm ready. All right. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Well, when they had left the multitude... They took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. That means to hush your mouth. That's literally what he means in the, in the, in the Greek. Hush your mouth. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? Full of fear. How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Wow. Now I want you to, to look here at this passage. The disciples had one job. They just have one job. Just one. You just got one thing to do. Peter, Matthew, James, and John. But what's, what's our job? We got to get Jesus from this side over to the other side. That's your job. What is your job? Is to get in the boat. Jesus has been ministering all day. I'm going to take a nap. Need you boys to line up, grab hold of your oar, take me to the other side. Need you to get in the boat, grab hold of your oar, take me to the other side. What was their mission was to take Jesus to the next mission. What is their job? Their job is to get Jesus from here and take him over there. That's your job. What's your job? To take Jesus from here and take him over there. Why? Because he's got ministry. The mission hasn't changed, church. It's still the same. 
We come to the cross, we receive Jesus. Now what is our job? Is to take Jesus on mission. I am commissioned to take Jesus on mission. Just got to get in the boat and you got to row. Now, I just I had to ask the Lord because I just didn't. Just, three words in this passage of all the things that we talked to, we're going to talk about. These three words just captivated me. As he was, they took him as he was. How are we to carry Jesus as he is? Amen. I thought, Lord, what does that mean? You don't add to Jesus. And you don't take away from Jesus. You take him as he is. You take his full sacrifice as it is. You take the full message as it is. You take him as it is. You don't come up with some alternative definition of grace that enables you to do whatever you want to do. You take the grace that God gives you and you go do the hard things. You do the things that he's called you to do. You take him as he is. Not adding to or taking away. Folks, let me say to you, the Word of God is, it is absolutely powerful. It will change those that will receive his word as it is. He will transform that individual and they will accept the truth and the truth will make you free. But you start changing the truth and the truth will stop changing you. I don't want a gospel that is preached. It's not good news to me. If I have to stay in my pig pen, if I have to stay in the prison, if I have to live in the torment, and I'm just going along for the ride with some hope that there's going to be an escape at the end, that is not good news to me. Good news is, is knowing that God transforms. So they took him as he is. Let me say to you, it's much easier to take God as he is when it's calm weather. <laughs> when it's fair weather, everything is just seems so fair. But there's a problem that comes up. They get Jesus in the boat in their own mission. What is their mission? I'm taking Jesus from one point of ministry and I'm taking him to another place of ministry. We're going from here and we're going over there. We are carrying Jesus where he has designated the next stop. And we take him just as he is. Oh, man, it's good to worship in the house of the Lord when the worship is on. Amen. But let me tell you, the world's not always filled with uh, easy sailing. Amen. So something, there's a problem that just took place. There's a storm that has now arisen over the sea and where they're at. They're in the sea, and man, it was good when we got in the boat. Uh, Jesus did all the ministry out in, the, in, in all regions and areas and raising the dead and healing the sick and, and, and feeding the multitudes. And Man, this is great. This is great. Let's get him in the boat now. Let's get to the other side. We're on the way to the other side, and a storm erupts. Storms are going to happen. It doesn't matter whether you like it or you don't. We live in Tornado Alley. It's just, it's just inevitable. Storms come up. And if you get in a storm, you've got to have wisdom enough nowhere to run to the shelter. Amen? Get me in the safe place. The storm erupts in our life. It's okay to wake Jesus up. It's okay to, hey, is everything okay? Everything good here? 
We, are we all right? We, we're still sheltered, and you know, am I going home soon? Is or we are we are we still on task? Amen. It's okay to ask those questions. See, but the problem was is the storm that they're in all of a sudden got in them. The storm that they're in all of a sudden started filling up the boat, started getting inside of them. That was the greater problem. Not that you face storms, but when the storms get inside of you. When the storms get inside of you. Where's Jesus? He's asleep. He's asleep. But don't you notice where he's sleeping? He's in the stern of the boat. The bow is the front of the boat. Stern is the back of the boat. See, the mission of God is subject to the will of man. In other words, Jesus is there and he has taken back seat to the rowing of the disciples. Mm. Come on now. Track with me. Track with me. See, Jesus is in the boat but he is in the back seat of the boat. And is the disciples' command commission to get him to mission. But he's not going to get to mission if the disciples are not submitted to his will. By submitting their will to his will. We ask what are the, why are so many problems and where and what's going on in the world? And we sit in the church and start pointing fingers at the church. Let me say to you, if you're pointing a finger at the church for the problems, then three fingers are pointing back at you. And the question is not what the church is doing. The question is, what are you doing to take Jesus on mission? Because God's plan and purpose is subjugated by your will your will how do you how do you know that how can you prove that god called me to preach the gospel i had some very major deficits when it came to ministering the gospel paralyzed by public speaking can you imagine paralyzed introvert by nature Inability to, to read in a comprehensive manner. Had a disability that limited my ability to read. And I could have taken all of that and I could have said, Lord, you have given me the commission and this commission is to take your message to the multitudes but Lord I know you're in my boat because I am saved I can't be saved from the troubled seas without God God has saved me he has saved me redeemed me but you're going to have to take a back seat because my will says I can't do it and I'm not taking you there are you hearing me how much does God want to do that he that you refuse to allow him to do? How much does God want to bring heaven through us but we are unwilling to put our hand to the oar? He didn't ask him to do what they couldn't do. 
He asked them to do what they should do. Just row. So I started rowing. And God started teaching me to read. And then the Lord started teaching me how to, how to stand up, how to speak, how to, how to not pass out nearly every time I would get up in front of people. He just kept teaching me how. I just kept rowing. <laughs> I just kept moving. Were there storms? There were a lot of storms. <laughs> and there were a lot of storms that got inside of me. And there was a lot of rebukes from the Lord saying, where is your faith? <laughs> but still, he said, son, I need you to do this because I've got so many people that are going to have so many excuses. And I need you to show them those excuses won't work. <laughs> those excuses won't work. So where is he? He's, he's in the back of the, back of the boat. He's in the stern. Aren't we supposed to have God as first? Yes, but we have to choose. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those other things will be added to you. But see, it is our choice whether or not to put the kingdom of God first in our life and his governance and what he does and what he will do. And he has the audacity to be sleeping in the middle of my storm. The audacity to, be, to not answer when I call. God, what are you doing? Don't you even care that we are about to sink to the bottom of this ocean? Forgetting the fact that he walked across the sea and Peter got out of the boat and walked with him for a little ways. Do you not care that we are perishing and why are you sleeping in the middle of my storm? The Lord wakes up. <sighs> Shut your mouth! <laughs> how is it? How is it that you have no faith? What did we do yesterday? Raised the dead, healed the sick, caused the deaf to hear, preached the word. What did we do the day before? Well, we raised the dead and well, we watched you raise the dead and heal the sick and 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 feed the multitude and and and, and we, we watched you day after day. What what did we do the day before that? Well, we were in the synagogue and we were you were preaching in the synagogue and you and you were you were the, the man with the withered hand came in and you healed him and and, and you preached to the multitude and I, you know there was that time we were trying to get you in the house because you just kept ministering and ministering and ministering and we did that the day before and the day before and the day before that and the day before that, what do you think we're going to do tomorrow? Same thing we did yesterday and the day before and the day before that. We're going to minister to the lost, the needy, the crying, the sighing, the dying. We're going to deliver the message. I'm asleep because I'm tired. I'm showing my humanity. I'm asleep because I'm not worried about the storm. The storm is only a persuasion to get you off mission. To get you off mission. How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? Do you not care? Now, 
this is going to be revolutionary to somebody in this house today. When Jesus got up, he rebuked the storm. Do you think Jesus rebukes the Father? Do you think Jesus rebukes the Spirit? The Holy Spirit? No. So if, see, we get this contradiction that there's some sort of variation between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. We get an ideology in our, in our theology that God the Father is an evil taskmaster and that the Son is the good cop and God the Father is the bad cop. And so that when Jesus came, uh, he's trying to counteract the, the, the judgment of God by the, the one that would come and annihilate humanity. And when Jesus is the one that said, uh, that we, I've come because the Father has sent me. And he sent me so that he may reveal who he is to humanity. He said it over a hundred times in the book of John. Uh, he displayed the heart of the Father. But not only that, uh, what we see is that the Father and the Son and the Spirit, he wants his church. He wants humanity to be saved, set free, delivered, put into a safe place. It was God's plan from the beginning and it has not changed. So, the point being, when Jesus rebuked the storm, was he rebuking the Father? Or was he rebuking the one who caused the storm, which was the devil? And this is revolutionary to somebody in this house because all the enemy has is persuasion. All he has is persuasion. There are those of you that are on mission and there's been a storm that has erupted. And that storm is to talk you off the mission. And that storm, hear this, is not from God. That storm is not from God. That storm is not from God. That storm is not from God. It's not from him, but it might be because of him. <laughs> that storm may not be from him, but it most definitely we're going to see this storm was because of him. Amen? So we look at this and we see something. I'm talking to those that I'm talking to those that are, are in this place and and that are called to mission and you're on mission, but every time you get into the into the place and the atmosphere, see you go from the uh, the terrain of the earth and you can you get your footing and you can walk and you do those things, but you get out into the middle in a different atmosphere, if you will. You get at a different place where where now the there's no ground under you, there's water, and you got to trust in that boat. And if you ever been out in the middle of the sea, you think about those things a little bit, just like you're in a plane. It's like okay. This boat needs to float, amen, because I don't see any land around me. But you get out there in the middle of that, and all of a sudden, you got to put your faith in something other than you put your faith in the vessel, but more importantly, you put your faith in the one who's in the vessel with you. And so we're here, and we're moving along, and we're on mission, and all of a sudden, there's a storm that rises up, and those storms come, and they're, they're frightening, they're, they bring anxiety, they bring terror, as long as uh, if they are, we allow those storms to get inside of us, and what was the storm that they were in? It was the belief that God didn't really care that they were in a storm. 
And so they judged God according to the circumstance. This is happening because you don't love me. Because you don't care whether or not I perish. That's the furthest thing from the truth. You do not... I'm hearing the voices of my past, my father, my mother, by my, my, my spouse that left, by the, all the failures are speaking. This is the storm that you're in. And they're declaring to you the reason this is happening is because God doesn't love you. He hasn't equipped you. He's not going to take care of you. You're going to sink in the middle of this. And all of a sudden, we begin to judge our situation, judge God according to our storm instead of judging the storm by God. <laughs> Did you get it? Judging the God according to the storm instead of the storm according to God. If the Lord's not saying anything, then he's not changed his mind. He's, you're still on task, and you kneel. What do you need to do? You need to keep rowing. You need to keep going. You need to keep, don't stop stopping and quit quitting. Don't give up again and find yourself on that other side because there's mission in front of you. There's a purpose in front of you. You've got to stay focused on where God's taking you and he does care about you. How do we know? Because he took care of me yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before and he will take care of me today. Stop judging God According to your circumstance. Is he your father or your sugar daddy? If I'm only going to serve him for what he gives me, what kind of relationship do I have with my father? Listen to a rabbi this week. He's talking about Job. Oh, my God. It was such a tremendous teaching on Job. But in there, there was an accusation against Job. Will he serve you? What it literally means, will he serve you for free? For free. For no reward. Will he serve you for free? And the question is, do we have a relationship with God that we will serve him for nothing? We don't give to get. We don't give to get. We give because we are sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. And we love our Father. We love what He loves. We hate what He hates. And we want what He wants. Now you're talking like we are fully matured children. You've gone from, from an infantile mentality to not you're not only walking, you're now talking, and you're not only you're no longer crawling, you're walking, you're talking, you're running. You are declaring, wait a minute, it's not about me, it's about mission. Now, it's a purpose in all this. Good question. I want you to look, just skip on down in your Bible. Mark 5. See, there's a... There's a place in God that God wants you to mature to. That whatever... Jesus only did what the Father showed him. You look at the Old Testament miracle signs and wonders, and it was already done. 
the raising the dead, healing the sick, opening the impossible situations, closing mouths of lions, taking down giants. Well, Jesus is the son of the Father. He comes and he, he does what the Father showed him. Now, as he shows what the Father shows him, he wants to, for us to understand that when we come into the kingdom of God, we come into a relationship with the Father. And there's something transformative that happens when you surrender your life to God. God instills his life in you. And now we are no longer orphans. We're no longer uh, alienated. We're no longer separated. We're now part of the family of God. And there's a cry that comes out of our heart. It is invoked by the Holy Spirit. It is infused in our spirit, in our heart. We begin to cry, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Father. We, don't, we didn't do that before because he wasn't our daddy. We served another daddy, and that daddy was cruel. But now we got a new daddy and our real daddy and our real God, and we start crying to him, Abba, Father. So the Son teaches us what the Father has done because of what He has done. And so that when you get into a storm, and you know this storm is not from God, you know you're not rebuking the Lord, but you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you get tired of listening to all of the rhetoric of the enemy that you need to get up. If you're not at rest, you need to get up and say, Shut your mouth! I'm not listening to this condemnation anymore. I don't bring up my past. If you keep bringing up my past, I'm going to remind you of your future. Shut up. I hope there's no little ones in here. That was a curse word in our house. We defined a curse word as anything you wouldn't want a two-year-old to say. If somebody heard that, please, that'll be the only thing they pick up on. Please forgive me. We went to church and that preacher was cussing. Lainey came home from school one day. She was about six years old and she said, my teacher said a curse word. We thought, oh, what is it? What does it start with? She said, an S. So what was the curse word? She said, shh. I can't say it. I said, no, Lane, just go ahead and say it. No, shh. You're not going to get in trouble. Just go ahead and say it. Well, she said, shh, shut up. <laughs> oh, well, that one's kind of marginal. You're all right. You're all right. I want you to look here in Mark 5. I'm not going to be, yeah, I am. Just hold with me. Mark 5, verse 1. Then they get through the storm. They're on the other side. You're in a storm right now. You're going to get to the other side. If you just keep rowing, you keep rowing, you're going to get to the other side of it. Then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he come out of the boat, Jesus, when he came out of the boat immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. No one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces. Break them off, break them up, throw them away. Neither could anyone tame him. 
In the hallways, night and day, day and night, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, and he was crying out. What do you think he was crying out for? Deliverance from the torment. And he was self-afflicting harm coming upon him. He was cutting himself. Got to have some sort of cathartic release. He just cut himself with stones. The Bible tells us he was running naked, totally stripped, living in shame, living in squalor, living as a crazed maniac out in the tombs. I'm sure that there was some measure of demonic power in his life that could cause the atmospheres to change because the enemy is always wanting to change the atmosphere. He's been trying for years to change the atmosphere of the church. Shift them to behavioral modification. Stay away from that transformation. Make sure everything is in line and all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. Make sure that, that, that we come in and we're comfortable coming in and we're comfortable going out. Don't challenge sin. Don't challenge the fact that people are sleeping together. Don't challenge the fact that there's demoniacs in your midst. Don't challenge the fact that people are bound. Just keep the atmosphere. I'm going to shift it around and make sure the atmosphere is as it ought to be so that the Spirit of God can't move. So now he's here. I'm sure he has the ability. That storm that Jesus rebuked was not from God, so it's got to be from the devil. Having the privilege to travel to Israel this last spring, you go to the Sea of Galilee, and there's the Golan Heights that go up. That's where that city would, would have been located. He would have a bird's eye view of that sea. And the storm that was caused by him, by the legion of demons that dwell inside of him. 6,000 would be in a Roman legion, and that's the only equation we have to maybe the occupancy that lived inside of him. If you've got one devil in you, you're tormented. If you've got 6,000, you are beyond measure with torment. And this man was crying out and crying out and still terrorizing, terrorizing the neighborhood, living among the dead, sleeping with the dead, talking to the dead. He had dead language, dead talk, dead communication. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. We begin to, to this place, and we don't mean to do it. We just get these appetites for things that we don't need to put inside of us. I love sugar. Amen. I love it. But I don't need an overabundance of it. I told somebody the other day, I got this white powder problem. It's not crack, it's not cocaine, it's flour and sugar. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. We crave the things that we don't even need that are destroying our bodies. We do the same thing in the spirit. We get in the storm and we start listening to the voices of death that say, don't you know that the spirit that caused the storm is a storm that was being caused in the disciples? God doesn't care about you. you. Need to stop what you're doing. What he doesn't want you to know is he, he's terrorized with the thought that you step into sonship and begin to live as Christ lived on earth. And you become those that don't shrink back. Why? Because you know your source. You know your lineage. You know who you belong to. Yeah. 
So he's got a bird's eye view. He's looking up. Maybe from the crowd level, thunder and lightning and the waves. Yeah. Don't you like that there, buddy? We just caused a storm. Isn't it great? In this power you got great, you can cause storms. You can terrorize people. And then all of a sudden, it's like somebody took a vacuum cleaner and sucked the clouds right out of the sky. Calm stillness just came over the entirety of that sea. You could skip a rock 30 miles if the sea went that far. Just glass. Just glass steel. Man, I believe he came to his senses. Because he came down from that side of the tombs. He came out of the death. He came out of the graves. He came out of that conversation that he was having yesterday. And he ran down. He knows that the one in that boat, the one that the disciples were carrying, the one that was there, he, if he can calm the storms from without, he can calm the storm in me. So Jesus gets to the shore and they come up on the land and immediately when he came out of the boat, his foot hit the ground and now the kingdom is there near to him and this man come running down. Oh my God, deliver me! Deliver me! Bring peace into my heart. Bring peace into my life. Jesus cast the devil out of him. He asked him his name, and now the old enemy tries to, I believe the Lord Jesus was asking the man's name, but instead the legion speaks up and says, we are legion for we are many, and the Lord in that moment just told him to shut up and get out. Pig farmers were not happy. 2,000 pigs, gone. 2,000, we won't go into that. I won't talk to you about the pig's feet that were lost and, and roast and think about it. That's 8,000 pig's feet. You know, the only thing on the pig you can't eat is oink. You can eat everything. You eat pig's ears, you eat his skin. You know how much? Chichicharone, is that right? You can eat everything. Oh, that's gone. <laughs> Pork chops. Chicharron. You know what I'm saying? But now, the, the funny thing, well, look, don't you look there. Verse, skip down, if you will, to verse 15. I'm aware of the time, so I'm going to put it in overdrive, okay? Then they came to Jesus. Jesus delivered him, set him free, just the word. God, not a whole lot. Get going. Get going. Now we'll sidetrack just a moment. <clears throat> Andrew preached a women's conference Friday, Saturday, down in East Texas. We finished the service around noon yesterday, and there was a lady who had was demonized. She was full of demon spirits. The pastor's over there casting the devil out of. It wasn't just one, it was multiple, multiple. And in the process of that, 
pastor's there, and, you know, we're all praying, we're all rebuking, we're all telling the devil to get gone. But then we come to the place in the process, get down to the resident demon, strong, strong man, and he just won't let go. So the pastor's wife gets a word of knowledge, and she asks the woman, the person who inflicted the pain upon you, have you forgiven them? Yes, I have forgiven them. This woman truly wanted to be delivered. So she said immediately, she said, but I haven't forgiven my mother. And when she forgave her mother a short time after that, she was wholly and completely delivered. Now listen to me. This is the point I want to make. The enemy had legal access to her as long as she was holding on to that unforgiveness. See, when, you, when she let go of that, she was wholly delivered. See, the enemy cannot have any dominion in your heart, in your life, in your situation, but what you allow. And if you hold on to the spiritual areas of your life, whatever that may be, what you're doing is giving legitimacy to the enemy to hold on to you. And you've got to get to the place where you let go of that and then the power of God comes in and you now have the ability to release it entirely, to be set entirely free. This man came to Jesus. Jesus gets out of the boat and he's like, I don't want any more to do with what I've been doing. I want to be delivered. Lord, can you deliver me? And the Lord delivered him because he wasn't holding on to any other area. The enemy just kept moving in and moving in more residents into his soul. And God came in one moment. He delivered all of that and replaced it with his spirit. And folks, let me say to you, when God comes in, he doesn't just come in. He keeps filling us with his abundance, with his goodness, with his mercy. Amen. So now this man in verse 15, he is there, the one who had the legion. He had the legion. He don't have the legion no more. He naked no more. He's sitting in his clothes and he's in his right mind. Can you hold with me just a few more minutes? He's sitting and he's clothed and he's in his right mind. And the people that came and saw him freaked out. They were afraid of him and they were afraid of Jesus. Why? Is that you? Is that you? I don't recognize you with your clothes on. <laughs> Is he the same guy? I don't know. I just remember the scar on the back of his leg. Can you show me that scar? Is this really you? He says, I don't recognize him because he's not wallowing in filth and his hair is not all distorted and he's not looking like an urchin and he's not, he, he just don't, he, he resembles the guy. But he's clothed. You know how many times I personally shackled him? More than I can count. You know how many, you know how many my brothers and cousins it took to hold him down just to get the shackles on him? As soon as we got him on him, he ripped him apart. He was untamable. And now he is sitting. And he's clothed. He ain't naked anymore. 
And he's in his right mind. <laughs> he's in his... <sighs> you know, when there's a storm, it's hard to set. When there's a storm inside, it's hard to set still. In times of my life, under such extreme stress and just anxiety and worry and fear, and I just feel like I just got to get busy doing something. Just give me something to do. Give me something to do. And that's all right for a while, but ultimately, you got to face that storm. You got to come back to that storm, and you come back to that storm, and you. And when, when God comes in and he settles it and you, you know the storm has passed inside of you because you have now have the ability through the power of God to speak to the storm and say, shut your mouth. I'm not listening to it anymore. God loves me. He cares about me. He's going to get me too. He's either going to get me on the other side or he's going to take me right on to glory. It doesn't make any difference. I win either way. And then you can sit down. Why? Because he's sitting down. And when he sat down, he not only sat down, but he set us down with him. In the heavenly places. So we're at rest and we're clothed. We're clothed with the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. We have on us the breastplate of righteousness. Where our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We have the belt of truth. And when the enemy draws near, we draw the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And we slay the enemy. We have a gown of salvation and a robe of righteousness. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are living as we ought to live because he has made us righteous through the shed blood of the Lamb. And in his right mind, in his right mind. <clears throat> Joseph, so they don't lose entire hope that I'll ever quit. Would you come on up? <laughs> oh, thank you. I thought you left the building. <laughs> If you haven't heard anything to this point, hear this. You can go ahead and start playing. There was a storm to stop the mission of Jesus. That the disciples were carrying Jesus to mission. And there was a storm that arose got inside the disciples to stop. They got to the other side by the faithfulness and the trustworthiness and the, the ability of God. And they would have made it with or without the storm. They would have got to the other side. I believe that. So they get over there and there's a man, a single individual who lived in a city, outside the city, in the tombs, among the dead, tormented, could not be tamed. Nothing they did. No medication. No sedative. No binding. Nothing could calm the storm inside of him. Until the storm, the peace speaker stood. Said no more. He was delivered. Sitting at rest. Maybe for the first time in many, many years. Clothed for the first time in many, many years. In his right mind, maybe the first time ever, I'm sure. He was delivered. This man said to Jesus, I want to go with you. He said, no, I got another mission for you. 
See, this mission has brought me on the mission, and that mission was to receive, see you delivered so that now you can take your testimony and you can be on mission. The Gadarenes were a part of the Decapolis. Ten cities, city-states. He said, go and tell them what I've done. Naked ain't naked no more. I was a naked guy up there, keeping you up at night. I was the one who had blood dripping from his wrist because I kept cutting myself. I was the one that could never sit still because I was so upset all of the time. And I've terrorized my family. I've terrorized my mother, my father. I've terrorized my home. But no, it was, the problem was, is I was acting out in behavior that I couldn't control because there's this storm on the inside of me. And I've caused so many storms in my life. But there was one who calmed the storm by his word. If he could take the extremities of my case, I was the worst case scenario. I had done so much wrong, so much hurt, so much harm. But he calmed it all. And then he set me down beside him. And he clothed me with his glory. And he put in me his love, his power, and his disciplined mind. And now I've got control over my thoughts. So see that storm you're in. Trying to persuade you not to keep going. Every time I try to stand up for God, something happens. Of course it does. That's how you know you're on mission. <laughs> if you never have the enemy resisting you, are you going the same direction he is? It's only when you walk against that opposition that you understand there's opposition. Wait a minute, preacher, I thought this was supposed to be comfort and relaxing. It is when you're in Christ. And then when the storms come up, you don't worry about them because you know he's got this. But it comes from that place, it's, it's difficult to live in two atmospheres. When you open that door to the plane and it, that wind starts hitting, it just it's hard to hold on to that atmosphere you're in. You've got to let go of that atmosphere to enter into the other atmosphere. And I heard Randall say it across the congregation because he's have a hundred, he's has over 150 jumps out of an airplane. Yes, it's true. He's crazy. <laughs> but he said it. When you get out, it's calm. It's peace. It's perfect. It's unreal. But see, also the Bible tells us that there are other little boats that were there on that sea as well. How many, church, other little boats are there and they're subject to your storm? And if you don't find your mission, are they going to get to their mission? It's not just about you. It's about my children and my grandchildren and my great 
great-grandchildren and my great-great-great did I miss this generation the great-grandchildren and, and the great-great-grandchildren every lineage until Christ comes can look back and say look Pops was in a storm he was in a storm of affliction he was told this and that but let me tell you he's not he didn't stay there he kept going God they're looking at your storm and they want to know are you going to make it But it also galvanized one last thing in the hearts of the disciples. They discovered that the one they were with is greater than they even imagined. Who is this we got in the boat? <laughs> My God, I believe it's a day where the church is going to discover who you got in the boat. <laughs> I don't want to water this thing down and say just come in like you are and leave worse than what you came. I want to say come in, surrender all. Let the Lord calm the storms. You get on mission and let God do what God wants to do in you and through you because greater, my God, greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. Stand to your feet. Worship team, you can make your way up unless you need to be in the altar. If you need prayer, please feel the liberty to stay. Some of you are in storms, and it's not like one storm happens and you never have another storm. Some storms may be worse than others. I've only been in a couple of tornadoes. Not every storm is a tornado. Not every storm is a hurricane. But what I discovered in the scriptures is the storm has a voice. A storm has a voice. Why would the Lord get up and say, shut your mouth, stop, hush, be silent, quit talking if it didn't have a voice? And see, they're, you're called of God. You have purpose in God. You have mission in the Lord. The Lord's not finished with you yet. How do I know? Because you're here today. And what was meant to destroy you was meant to destroy the mission. And what was meant to destroy the mission was to prevent you from reaching the one who would go out on mission. Yes, Lord. If you're tired of the storm in you, it's not God. Come to this altar and let's tell it to shut up. You ain't never going to be healed. Shut your mouth. Your kids are never coming out of bondage. You just wait and see. I put you down ten times. I'll put you down another. That's where you made your mistake. And now I got something to anchor to. I'm judging this storm by, by God, not the, God by the storm. If he calls one to, to be quiet, you're going to be quiet. Persuasion is all the enemy has. If you're tired of listening to the enemy, get to this altar. And we're going to tell it to shut its mouth. Come on. Come on.
your own mission. You're called of God. You're called of God. You're about to be transformed right now. By the renewing of your mind, by the surrender of God, you're going to say, no, no, this storm's not from God. I'm rebuking this thing. I'm rebuking this thing. I'm rebuking this thing right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, this thing's going. In the name of Jesus, this thing's going. We're going to rebuke it. We're going to declare, oh, just, I'm shocked. There's not half the congregation in this altar right now. I'm shocked that there's not those that come down here and say, no, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. Just not going to listen to it anymore. I'm going to believe. I'm going to rebuke this storm. I'm going to stop listening to what the storm is saying. Lift your hearts and your hands to God. If you're in the altar, just lay it down and surrender. Father, in the name of the living God, in the name of the living God, we demand and command the lies to shut up. We are not listening to them anymore. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are on mission and we will not shrink back. We will not shrink back to perdition. We will not let go. We are going forward in God and we're going to believe in God. And the devil is going to shut up right now in the name of God. There's a calm and a peace that's going to come over your heart. There's a calm and a peace that's going to be recognizable. The enemy may come in like a flood, but he's going to run. He may come in five ways. He's going to run a hundred ways. In the name of Jesus, we declare this storm, this storm. We say to you, peace, be still. Shut your mouth in the name of the living God. In the name of the living God. Now, worship team, right now, begin to worship and begin to call those things as not as though they were. Begin to declare in this house the very prophetic word of God as you sing. 